Welcome everybody, it's uh, good to have your ear. Is God a Dictator? is the title of today's podcast. It deals with questions like, you know, why does God do things differently than I would? Why does God not run the world like I would? And more such questions that typically are reflected in the arguments of atheists specifically who seriously got a problem with God. It's Wednesday, the 24th of November. This is episode 71 of Fishing for Men with Mac. Uh, please remember the invitation is always open to, for you to uh, send me possible themes I could do a podcast on. Anyway, so I just sat down this week and just had a chat with my stepfather. And we always like to talk about the big things of life, you know. And uh, and he he randomly explained to me how he believes that God is the only ruler in the universe that has the right to be a dictator. Now, that immediately resonated with me because in one short sentence... He summarized what has been going on in my mind the last few weeks. Now, people have got a lot of issues with God because they can't wrap their minds around this being God. They can't get to to, to think like He thinks. And they can't understand why He does things differently than they would. And so um, a lot of people with their, their two kilogram brain would try to make sense of how God operates. And when when it doesn't work, when they can't get their minds around, then they say, well, obviously, then God doesn't exist. So I want to play you just a a clip, a short clip by George Carlin. Um, Please excuse the language. I did cut out some of the swearing. But here you find an example of somebody who brings up arguments um, about God not making sense and pointing out some of the discrepancies Uh, in his view about God. Here it is. I want you to know something. This is sincere. I want you to know, when it comes to believing in God, I really tried. I really, really tried. I tried to believe that there is a God who created each of us in his own image and likeness, loves us very much, and keeps a close eye on things. I really tried to believe that, but I got to tell you, the longer you live, the more you look around, the more you realize something is f***ed up. Something is wrong here. War, disease, death, destruction, hunger, filth, poverty, torture, crime, corruption, and the ice capades. <laughs> Something is definitely wrong. This is not good work. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Results like these do not belong on the resume of a supreme being. This is the kind of shit you'd expect from an office temp with a bad attitude. It's <laughs> just between you and me, in between you and me, in any decently run universe, this guy would have been out on his all-powerful ass a long time ago. And by the way, I say this guy because I firmly believe, looking at these results, that if there is a God, it has to be a man. No woman could or would. There are a few things here that he picks out that disturbs him about the existence of God. Let me see if I can just put them into nice, succinct uh, sort of questions. The first question he seems to be asking is this. Why is the world so messed up? That's what he, he's picking up. I mean, there's famines and droughts and, and kids that are sick. Could, could he not have done a better job? Could God not have created a world 
where there was no pain and suffering, a world that wasn't um, messed up. And so he makes the point, well, if if he did create the world and there is a God, then he's not very good at creating the world. And so George Carlin is using his mind to say that he could have created a better world than this. Um, secondly, why would such a loving God not care about the pain and suffering in the world? Which is a very legit question. He's, he seems to um, understand that God is not involved at all with the pain that is taking place in the world. And then thirdly, God has a divine plan that can be altered by our prayers. And for him, that doesn't make sense. Because if God has a will, then why is it that we pray? And that's a very good question. And then lastly, if there is a God... May he strike this audience dead and then nobody dies as he's busy talking. And that I find interesting because, um, you know, he assumes that once again, it just proves, you know, sort of the mentality out there that we expect God to do the things that we want him to do and that we think he should be doing or, you know, um, and I think that is a big, big problem. And that's why I thought it's important to do this podcast. And by the way, this video of George Carlin, well, the audio that you heard, I will be doing the whole video next week. I'll play the whole video and then I will unpack it step by step and give answers to all the questions that he's asking there. You can see, obviously, he hasn't really thought about everything and he doesn't know uh, what God has to say about this thing. Now, I use George Carlin just as an example here. There are so many other issues that people have with God. And all the issues can be put, I believe, into perhaps the following three questions. Firstly, why does God not do what makes sense to me? Now, think about that. Why does God not do what makes sense to me? So, if God is all loving, it would make sense to me that he would just heal everybody that's sick because he loves them and that there would be no diseases. He would just take away the diseases. Why? Because he loves them. So that's what makes sense to me. So if I was God, I would do this or I would do that or I would do etc. etc. So that's the one question. The other question is this. Why does God not do what I want him to do? You know, God clearly doesn't exist because he doesn't answer my prayers. I mean, if I was God, I would answer my prayers. If I was God, I would answer everybody's prayers. And really, would you? Do you do you answer all? Do you give your kids everything that they ask for? Uh, I'll just leave that f for next week. Thirdly, why does God not agree with what the majority of people agree on? Okay, I'm just going to repeat that. Why does God not agree with what the majority of people agree on? And this is one of the biggest problems happening currently. And I believe that this was created by democracy. Democracy. Like, for example, Penn We looked at his video a few weeks ago um, in, the, in the podcast. He pointed out in that video that one of the reasons why he struggles to believe in God is because God is against homosexuality. And that is just wrong. Most people support homosexuality. There's a consensus if, if we had to take like a sort of a voting thing in, in, in democratic liberal places, it will be definitely be true that more people support homosexuality than, than is against it. So if God is against it, then God cannot be real because God cannot agree with the majority. I mean, here is 60% or 80% of our population believes that something is not a sin, that something just needs to be practiced and done. Um, if, if 60, 70, 80 percent of people, in other words, what, he, what they are saying is they are assuming the truth is based on democracy. 
that the majority of people will always see the truth. And it's also an assumption that God would agree with what the most humans agree about. And I'll be making some comments about that in just a moment. But let me talk briefly as we go on about God being a dictator. Now, you might be asking, well, what do I mean by that? Well, let's just look at the definition first. A, a dictator is a political leader who possesses all power. He's not accountable to anybody. He's not accountable to anybody. Now, God is not a politician, so he can't really be classified as a dictator. Most dictators are evil and work for their own selfish purposes. So I don't see God as a dictator in that sense. God is not a tyrant. But the one aspect of a dictator that God is, is this. He does possess all power and he's not accountable to anything. Okay, he's not accountable to anybody. He is the ruler, the supreme ruler of the universe. And nobody can do anything about it. What he says goes, whether you like it or not, whether you can understand it or not, whether you agree with it or not, what he says goes. When he makes decisions, like decides, whose prayers will be answered and whose won't, he's keeping in mind the lives of 7 billion people on this planet. When he intervenes and when he doesn't, is way above our pay grade. And he doesn't have to explain himself. And his ways won't make sense to us. If it all did, then we would be gods ourselves. And I've said this many times before. How can something that was created by someone ever rise above his creator? How can a created thing try to hold a creator accountable? Now Paul, the great apostle, wrote to a bunch of Christians in Rome... In Romans chapter 9 verse 20 with the following words. But who are you, O man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Do you get the absurdity of that? 700 years before that was written, through the mouth of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 45 verse 9 to 12, the prophet said, Woe to him who quarrels with his maker, who's got an argument with his creator. To him who is but a potsherd among the potsherds on the ground. Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does your work say, he has no hands? Woe to him who says to his father, what have you begotten? Or to his mother, what have you brought to birth? This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and its maker concerning things to come. Do you question me about my children or give me orders about the work of my hands? Did do you get that? Are you, are you giving me orders as, as to what you think that I must do? Are, are you crazy? I created you. It is I who made the earth and created mankind upon it. My own hands stretched out the heavens. I marshaled their story hosts. Wow, what a beautiful, absolutely beautiful text. God is the only being in the universe that has the right to dictate what goes and what it doesn't. Disciples of Jesus are people who have accepted that they have been created, they have realized how wonderful this creation is, and they have come to respect the creator of it all. The ungodly, 
refuses to accept the idea of a creator because then they would be held accountable for their deeds. Let me just make some comments quickly on democracy. The idea that if the majority agrees with something, then it must be correct is nonsense. Absolute nonsense. And I want to challenge you, don't fall into that trap. Maybe statistics have taught us that. Maybe democracy have taught us that. Let me remind you that the crowd isn't always right. Most Germans believed killing Jews were fine. Let that sink in. That led to the Holocaust. Six million people dead. Most people in South Africa vote for the ANC. Yet, it is probably the most incompetent government any nation has ever seen. If you live in South Africa, you'd agree with me. The masses don't hold the truth. The masses don't think rationally. Ladies and gentlemen, the crowd is wrong. Paul wrote to the Romans, Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Sometimes it is true that the crowd is right. But it has to coincide with what God says. Be careful of following the crowd. Jesus also had a teaching on it. He said that there are two roads. I call it the highway to hell and the gravel to glory. Now, and he talks about a narrow road with a narrow gate and a few people go through it. And that's the road that leads to life. And then he talks about the wide road with a wide gate. And there's many people going through that gate, but it leads to destruction. The crowd is usually on the highway and not the gravel to glory. Just because something is the norm in a given society doesn't mean it is the truth. In the end, only the one who created it knows what the truth is and can state the truth. Now you are listening to this podcast and I don't know if you've ever heard of Job. But the story of Job explains a lot to us because this question about why evil is continuing in the world and why good people suffer has been around for so long. Why is it that God's people would also suffer so often? And the story of Job has just been so powerful because it explains so many theological truths. What you have is you have a spotless man. You've got a man that is righteous, a man that takes care of his family, a man that is godly, a man that nobody can point a finger uh, to him. And the story goes that there was a meeting in heaven. The angels came to meet with God and Satan came as well. It's sort of like they give a feedback as to what they've been busy with on the earth. And God says to Satan, have you, uh, where have you been? And Satan says, well, I've come back from roaming back and forth throughout the earth. And God says, okay, have you seen, have you seen my servant Job? Have you considered him? He's blameless. He's upright. What do you think about him? It's almost like as if God is boasting and saying, man, you, you, you want to see a good guy. You don't go check out that guy. And then Satan says to him, yeah, yeah. The only reason why he honors you is because you've put a hedge around him. You protect him. I tell you what, give him into my hands. Let me, let me destroy some things in his life. Um, and then I will, I will show you that he will deny you to your face. And so God says to Satan, okay, you, you can go do that, do that. Um, just don't touch him. On the man himself, don't touch him, but you can destroy everything he has. And then Satan goes and he, he has his children killed. He steals all of his livestock. It's a whole story. And, and they have a meeting again. Still, the Bible says that Job did not curse God to his face. Directly after that, they've got a meeting again in heaven and Satan comes again and God asks him again, where have you come from? He says, roaming back and forth through the earth and God says, have you considered my servant Job? And, and then um, 
Satan says to him, yeah, 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 um, look, he is uh, blameless, all of those wonderful things. But the only reason why he is not cursing you to your face, why he's still honoring you, is because, you know, because he's healthy. I mean, touch his life, touch his health, and you will be certain he will curse you to your face. And Satan goes, God says to him, okay, you can do what you want. You can, you can take on his body, you can make him sick, just don't take his life. And so he goes off and Job gets extremely sick. He sits in a in a heap of dust and he scrapes the sores of his skin. And his friends heard that he was, I mean, his wife said to him, why don't you just curse God and die? And he refused. He said, I'll never curse God. And then his friends came. He had three friends and they came. And when they saw him, they just sat at a, sat at a distance for like seven days because they didn't know what to say to him. He was in such suffering. And then they started talking to him for about 30 36 chapters they just told him about he must have done something wrong and if he didn't do something wrong then it must have been his children but he deserves what he was getting that's basically what it comes down to but in all of that job did not sin and right at the end of the book nowhere does god talk to job nowhere does god come down to job and say hey dude man the reason why you were suffering is because you know i had this conversation in heaven with satan you know it's just really a test and that's what was going on nowhere does god tell job what is going on the first time that god speaks to job is in chapter 38 and this is what he says. I would like to um, just read it to you. Job chapter 38. And I'm going to read to you from a simple um, version so that it's easily understandable. It's quite a, a lengthy piece of text, but uh, you will get the gist as I go and I'll stop somewhere along the line. And now finally God answered Job from the eye of a violent storm. He said, why do you confuse the issue? Why do you talk without knowing what you're talking about? Pull yourself together, Job. Up on your feet. Stand tall. I have some questions for you and I want some straight answers. Where were you when I created the earth? Tell me, since you know so much. Who decided on its size? Certainly you'll know that. Who came up with the blueprints and measurements? How was its foundation poured? And who set the cornerstone while the morning stars sang in chorus and all the angels shouted praise? And who took charge of the ocean when it gushed forth like a baby from the womb? That was me. I wrapped it in soft clouds and tucked it in safely at night. Then I made a playpen for it, a strong playpen so it couldn't run loose and said, Stay here, this is your place. Your wild tantrums are confined to this place. And have you ever ordered the morning and said to the morning, Get up, told the dawn, get to work, so you could seize earth like a blanket and shake out the wicked like cockroaches? As the sun brings everything to light, brings out all the colors and shapes, the cover of darkness is snatched from the wicked. They're caught in the very act. Have you ever gotten to the true bottom of things? Explored the labyrinthine caves of the deep ocean? Do you know the first thing about death? Do you have one clue <laughs> regarding death's dark mysteries? And do you have any idea how large this earth is? Speak up if you even have the beginning of an answer. Do you know where light comes from and where darkness lives? So you can take them by the hand and lead them home when they get lost? Why? Of course you know that. You've known them all your life. Grown up in the same neighborhood with them. Have you ever traveled to where snow is made? Seen the vault where hail is stockpiled? The arsenals of hail and snow that, keep in that I keep in readiness for times of trouble and battle and war? Can you find your way to where lightning is launched or to the place from which the wind blows? Who do you... 
supposed calves canyons for the downpours of rain and charts the route of thunderstorms that brings water to unvisited fields, deserts no one ever lays eyes on, drenching the useless wastelands so they're carpeted with wild flowers and grass. And who do you think is the father of rain and dew, the mother of ice and frost? You don't for a minute imagine these marvels of weather just happened, do you? Can you catch the eye of the beautiful Pleiades sisters or distract Orion from his hunts? Can you get Venus to look your way or get the great bear and her cubs to come out and play? Do you know the first thing about the sky's constellations and how they affect things on earth? Can you get the attention of the clouds and commission a shower of rain? Can you take charge of the lightning bolts and have them report you for orders? Who do you think gave weather wisdom to the ibis and storm savvy to the rooster? Does anyone know enough to number all the clouds or tip over the rain barrels of heaven when the earth is cracked and dry, the ground baked hard as a brick? Can you teach the lioness to stalk her prey and satisfy the appetite of her cubs as they crouch in their den waiting hungrily in their cave? And who sets out food for the ravens when their young cry to God, fluttering about because they have no food? It goes on like that, ladies and gentlemen, for four chapters. I just read one chapter. And what is the big lesson that we get out of this? If there was one person on earth that deserved to understand what was going on, it was Job. And God never gave him an answer. And what God was only giving him was questions. He was giving him questions. Are you God? And if you're not God, how dare you question me? I know what I'm doing. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the God of the human, this is the God of the universe, it's the God of the human race. It's a God that doesn't have to receive, he doesn't have to give feedback to any of us. He made us, we are his, whether we like it or not. This world is his, the sun is his, the moon is his, the sea is his, the oxygen that we breathe in is his, the blood pumping through your vein is his. Out of nothing, he made all of this. We are his property and he can do what he wants but we're blessed because he describes himself as just he will in the end he will pay back every everything that we we've done good and bad he'll reward us for he's a just god let me conclude if if god is god many things he does or allows will not make sense to you because his ways and his plans are higher than ours Number two, if God is wiser than you, like a parent is wiser than a baby, like someone ruling the universe, he won't answer every prayer you have. And scripture clearly says God only answers certain types of prayers, and perhaps I must do a podcast on that one day. Thirdly, Christians operate in a theocracy, not a democracy. What does that mean? We don't follow the crowd. We don't follow what is popular or what most people out there think is true. No, we are in a theocracy. Theos meaning God. We listen to what God says, not what the majority says. So next week what I'll do is I'll unpack the whole comedy show of uh, George Carlin um, and bring some truths out there for us in case anything was said there that you uh, also struggle with i hopefully will bring some good answers to you may you have a wonderful week love you guys lots be cool don't do drugs be wise cheers